This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Uh, welcome to a very special, painful edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. This is a third of the way through this season, Brooklyn Nets podcast, a roundtable discussion. I was envisioning it being positive, talking about the playoffs, dreaming about positive things. Instead, the Nets have spent this season, including Wednesday night, Ripping the heart out of all of their fans, all 84 of them, swallowing it, and then excreting it. That's what they've done. They topped it all by blowing a 23-point lead to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They got outscored by Paul George in the fourth quarter of this game. They gave Paul George a wide-freaking-open three, which, of course, he was going to make. And then, with three seconds to go... They barely get the ball in, and Jared Dudley, who I don't want to hear a word from, he's flopping all over the face like a dead fish, and the ball goes out of bounds. There's a tenth of a second to go, and they lose. But that loss to the Thunder is basically what the last month has been like. Anyhow, joining me right now, what I like to call the net crew. First of all, Billy, he works for the CBS Sports Network. He's in charge of all those annoying CBS Sports Minutes. And secondly, Mike Biseglia, who produces the wildly popular Moose and Taz show. Taz and Moose. Taz and Moose show. Who cares? What does it matter whose name comes first? That's just the name of the show. Okay, fine. How are you, Biseglia? Oh, I'm fantastic. Um, after the game last night, went to bed around 11. Between midnight and 3 a.m., I get up at 3.15. My stomach went crazy. I don't know if it's stress from the game, from life. But, boy, was, was that awful. I mean, that well, was that you, was that was just awful. You nailed it. And I'll get to you in a second, Billy. That's just okay. hang tight. All right. Biseglia tweets last night. It was a, supposed to be a joke. It was supposed to be a joke, but he tweets a poll as the Nets are up. How many were they up at the time when you it tweeted this It was late in the third quarter. I couldn't tell you exactly what the score was, but it was somewhere in that, like, 15 to 19 range when right. OKC took it down a peg. Didn't make their run yet. But it was, I believe, it was late third quarter. So, and what was uh, the poll about, for everybody listening? The poll was, how will the uh, Nets? I'm paraphrasing here. How will the Nets rip my heart out in the fourth quarter and blow this game? And the four options were a uh, Russell Westbrook and one, Paul George step back three, <laughs> Stephen Adams tipping, or the Nets can't inbounds the ball. <laughs> so the answer was two and four. It was the, right. It was initially two, and then someone tweeted me, "Don't forget to add four. But when you tweet that, <laughs> you think they're going to win? I thought they were going to win. I was just having a little fun on Twitter because of what has happened in the last what four or five home games. So I was just being silly, and then you know, oh, I, let me tell you, I was kind of rooting for it at the end. Rooting for what? At I'm the joking. End? I was my Twitter. Don't don't off. start with me. Don't start with me. You're rooting for what? I, let me tell you something. Last night when they went up by twenty three. 
I said to my wife as she was passing out, I said, yeah, I can't believe this. This is so typical. They're going to suck us in. They're beating the Thunder. Thunder don't even care about this game, you can tell. They couldn't give two rats asses about this game. Even RJ saying on the broadcast, it's the New York syndrome. They came to New York. They probably went clubbing. They don't care. I said, they are sucking us in. What a quality victory against the Thunder. But it's not going to mean anything when the Raptors win by 40. I honestly didn't think that this team would top all the disasters they've had. Philadelphia, Memphis, Utah, the Clippers, the Pelicans. Am I missing one? I really didn't think they would top it. And I'm telling you, over the last few minutes of the game, and this is why if I did an instant reaction last night, it wouldn't have been any good. I was numb. Right now, I'm angry. I'm pissed. And we'll get to specific reasons. Last night, it was like I went to get my tooth extracted, and I was just numbing out of it. Now, Billy, how are you, by the way? I'm sorry. You know, you started this off by yelling. Yes. Everyone's job doesn't matter. And I think, really, the air came out of the balloon when you turned on ESPN about, what year is it, 2018? It doesn't even matter anymore. When you turn on ESPN... 10 years ago, and you see Jason Kidd was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. That's when it ended. Are you doing like a life? <laughs> Let's That's go through life. He's beyond numb. It's at a deeper level. <laughs> what are we talking about here? He needs open heart surgery. <laughs> Transplant for this guy. Oh, wrong with my brain. Are we going to break down letting Kenyon Martin go to Denver, Every, too? Well, I mean, what I mean, are you talking that, about? That, all right, all right, all right. To, to be fair, actually, yes. you know what? I don't even know if that's the right term. I don't even know what to say. Well, no. Let's I mean, st- this let- is a disaster. Look, all right. You and I were having this discussion yesterday, okay? I understand Karis LeVert is out, and I understand he's our best player, and he's our best scorer, and he's our go-to scoring option. With the talent on this team, with all that being said, we have talent to win games. This is a coaching issue. Oh. This oh, isn't a talent issue. Oh, oh. They don't seem to be playing hard anymore. Getting at least the in the ball. fourth quarters. And, and it's like the offense is weird. They're just standing around. The the fourth quarters have been miserable. Let me you tell know? you something. There are two. You in, in a situation like last night, you need to make Russell Westbrook or Dennis Schroeder or Jeremy Grant or someone like that beat you from three. You The one guy who's more than capable of making a contested three, you leave open? Come on. Spencer Dinwiddie flying over. You know Paul George is going to pump fake the crap out of him, give himself a nice second, and then drill that three. I go back to the first time we did this net roundtable discussion, and we were wide-eyed suckers. Yeah. We were wide-eyed suckers. We thought the Nets were getting Jimmy Butler. Well, we did, but even without that, we saw a team moving in the right direction, a team that was going to take a step from last year. And to Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks' credit, from last year to the year before, they improved by seven or eight games. There was clear improvement. This year was supposed to be another step. That's why I didn't think that my prediction of winning 34 games was that crazy. No, it would be another six. Yeah, I didn't think that's that crazy. And... I started asking myself the last few days. I asked it to you, Billy. I'm sure I asked it to you, Basegli. I said, were we just so wrong about this team? Number one. Number two, is Karis LeVert that big of a deal? Or three, is this coach so incompetent and so awful? Forget about developing players, okay? Like he's a professor. Like he's a glorified assistant. In-game decisions. Playing smart basketball. Having an offense that functions intelligently, 
being able to inbound the basketball, having rotations that make sense. For example, not going small with Joe Harris playing the four for minutes and minutes at a time, burying Rodonis Kurutz, who clearly gives this team a spark. Is it him? Is it us? Is it Levert? Which of those three is most accurate? There is something, too, when you are, and I'll start it with that Sixer game. That game just triggered it all of it. And it triggered everything that's bad with the Nets. It showed off how Kenny can't coach in-game decisions, and it magnified him for the rest of them. It showed what happens when they don't have Karras, and it showed it for the rest of us. And, yeah, we were suckers. So it's a combination of all three. And losing that Sixers game, it just steamrolled all of them. Because they're they're good enough to be in contention with good teams. The Sixers are a good team. The Grizzlies are a good team. Utah struggled a little bit, but they're a very solid team in Utah. And then, of course, yesterday... Uh, with OKC, 15-3 and three coming into the last night's game since the 0-4 start, one of the better teams in the West. I'll lump the Clippers in that game, the Rockets in that game. Every single home game has been the same story. They're not getting their ass kicked in these games. They're in these games. They're winning these games in the second half. There is something happening at the end of third quarters and into fourth quarters that is not working, and that's where they've got to figure out the problem. And you know what's not working? We're getting outcoached. Every night. That's what's not working. Is there some truth to is Karis Levert that good? Yeah, I think so. I think that's I think there's that's a that's a Well they story. don't have a guy at the end of games they don't have a like Karis showed earlier this season. He showed that a couple of times that he is the guy you want the ball in the hands of in the final seconds of a game. These past eight games, a lot of these a lot of these games, we're winning these games under two minutes to go. Should have all of them minus the Washington game. Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking about that during the course of this eight-game losing streak. Because think about this. They go to Miami. They beat a shorthanded Heat team. But still, they took care of business on the road, and they're 8-10. and 10. Right? Oh Karis my, Le- oh my God, it feels like a million I, years. It feels like 10,000 years ago. It was before Thanksgiving. Yeah. They're 8-10. and 10, Okay? Their next game, back-to-back, what else is new? At Dallas. A game that's tricky. The Mavericks are a talented team. We saw how good Luka Doncic is. J.J. Barea always kills them. That was a winnable game, Mm -hmm. but a game where, all right, they lost to a team back-to-back. We know about their ridiculous issues on back-to-backs. That's fine. They got that game within three or four late. They could have won that game. It was in, yeah, it was winnable. I wouldn't put that in the category of they should have won it, like the Memphis game or the Philly game, but it was winnable down the stretch. It's like what all the teams did to the Nets, the Nets were trying to do then to the Mets. Sure, they would have been stealing a game, and they didn't do it. Friday afternoon against the Timberwolves. You're facing a team that's literally playing at 11 a.m. for them. You're in your own building. And that was a winnable game until the early part of the third quarter. And then Minnesota went on a huge run and kind of separated themselves. You know what's funny about that game is that you just you just actually hit the nail right on the head. Is that I was listening to the or watching the broadcast and, oh, well, you know, it's the day after Thanksgiving. It's an early game, blah, blah, blah. Minnesota's playing at 11. No kidding. It's 11 a.m. That and should they, affect them more than the Nets. They eat turkey, too. <laughs> yes. And the, I think so. And, and the Nets are supposed to be the team in their own building with the time zone advantage that takes care of that, that takes advantage of that. But that game, as bad as that loss was, and it was kind of a depressing mid-afternoon kind of loss, that wasn't the panic game. You're right, Biseglia. The panic game is they're playing a late Sunday afternoon game against Philadelphia. A game coming in, I didn't think they'd win. I thought the Sixers would get revenge on them. But they're kicking their ass the entire game. The whole game. The whole game. And for whatever reason, I can't put my finger on it. Maybe it's that Philadelphia is talented. Maybe it's the fact that I thought the Sixers would hand back the Nets a loss after what happened a few weeks earlier. 
I was nervous that entire game. And I had this creepy feeling that this thing was going to get close. And Jesus Christ, did it get close. And look at the last night's game with the Thunder and the Sixer game. Similar in, in two in one way. A great player being. They have killers. They have killers. Yes. They have guys that go out there and get buckets. And, and they and, kill you. Jimmy and, Butler, you want three, you want two, anywhere on the court. George did it times five. It's the same thing. They've got guys that can do that. The Nets stand around, look at each other like, I don't know what to do. Those guys have men. Those guys have balls. And those guys know what they're doing. And it showed. You can play smart basketball without having a killer. Jimmy Butler is a killer. Um, we saw last night Paul George can be a killer. You're right. There's a lot of killers around there. But you can play intelligent basketball. D'Angelo Russell chucking up a three with way too much time on the clock is stupid. Yeah, that was bad. One. It's not intelligent. I don't, what, yeah, I don't. How does that happen? And you got to remember, too, the night before, or maybe two nights before the Sixers came into town, the the Sixers beat Charlotte on the road the exact same way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh? Jimmy Butler fade away corner three. Look that same way. The game winning shot that Jimmy hit Tough. is just what can you do? Because right, Rondé defensively did everything he could, and Jimmy Butler hit the shot. The problem wasn't look. The officials made a lot of mistakes down the stretch in that game. Joel Embiid traveled. We all get that, <laughs> yeah. but still, to even uh, put yourself in a situation where you can lose that game because they have a really good player on the floor, that's a problem. That game should never have gotten that close. Never. And basically, I think you hit it right on the head. I think that's the game we're going to look back on after they lose 58 games and say that's where it all turned, even more so than the Minnesota game because the Minnesota game, it was a bad loss. It was still only a two-game losing streak. They're still 8-12. and They they still had a shot. It was the Sixer game. And you have losses where, you know what, like the game they went to Miami um, or the the game where Miami came here right after the Levert injury. Okay, it happens. It happens. Minnesota, they're tired. It sucks. You know what? It happens. But to every game blow a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter, that shouldn't that that should happen once, twice, not five times. Oh, every and, game. This is every game. I I was sitting there yesterday and I was just I was laughing. Well, cuz you're numb too. I was just well, laughing. I was just the- laughing. I was like, "Okay, here we go again." I mean, that's just it though. <laughs> I want to get angry. I want to yell. I want to punch the wall. But you just can't. No, you know when that ended? See, there's different layers to this depression. The Philadelphia game was the end. The Utah game, which Basegli and I were at, was deeply frustrating. The killer was Memphis. Because the Memphis game was the comical debacle in which, and here's the guy that kills me. The Nets have played dumb basketball, and the one thing they can't do is play dumb basketball. And the one thing I thought when Kenny Atkinson took over, I remember saying this on the air to Joe in the 30 seconds we talked about the Nets. I said, here's one thing I'll know about Kenny's teams and how stupid do I sound. They'll play defense every night. They're going to battle you every night, and they're going to play smart. For a while, that worked. Well, not now. When the Nets were really bad. When Kenny had just taken over, I disagree like, oh, with you know, that. This team. Not the first year. They didn't compete in half the games, and they didn't defend enough. Those two things didn't happen in the first year. Who want to tell me it was all talent? Is defense all talent? No, but... So then you're wrong. But I'm saying you you see you saw signs that they want to play for this guy. Well, the, the playing for the guy thing is very difficult to define. I'm merely talking about those specific things. They didn't play defense. Well, that was more talent. Talent, that's a question about defense. Defense is partially talent, a lot of it's effort. 
And they were getting blown out every single night the first year Kenny was here. Yeah, but Last a, year was a positive step because they were in most, more games they, than they not. They also have to be talented defensively. I, I don't think it's, it's a combo of the two. It's a combo of the two. I mean, you, you know, if I'm out there and we're, we're playing good team defense, it doesn't really matter. It, but let me tell you this. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who I would get rid of tomorrow. I am sick of looking at his face. I got to tell you. And what really he's put handsome. me over the edge with him. What was that? He's handsome. Oh, yeah, he's beautiful. What really put me over the edge was the play in the Memphis game was him committing the foul. You're up seven oh, with oh, the 30 seconds. Yes, yeah. the end one. That changed everything. Now, did more have to happen for the Nets collapse? Absolutely. But think about this. The Nets are up seven with 30 seconds to go. Dude, it's impossible to blow a game like that. Not unless a 19-year-old hits a three and, and foul or 20-year-old, well, however old Jack. Yes, and he's getting fouled. Oh. You're up by seven. Step. Let him hit the shot then. You'll be up by four with 25 seconds to go. <laughs> unless you crap all over yourself at the line or you can't inbound the basketball. Oh, wait a second. Oh, wait. You should win. You know what's so crazy about this is there's so many of these to pick from now. You could like go through them. How about the Memphis loss? How about the Sixer loss? You haven't even mentioned the Cavs game oh, yet. We'll get to that. We'll get and there's that. that one. I mean, there's just so many in, in a uh, in a week and a half span. And you know what this makes it worse? Let me tell you something. You go on Twitter, NBA Twitter, whether it's Bill Simmons or whomever, oh, they're laughing at us. I don't like that. Well, but well, we deserve it. We deserve it. I know, but I don't. I, I want to be relevant. I want the Nets to be relevant. I but, do too, but for the right reason. But see, the thing is, looking back on all the NBA games I've watched over the years, not just the Nets, I don't think there's ever been a scenario of any team close to this. Yeah, this I is an epic run. This is yeah. This, this is, is unbelievable. There's been eight game losing streaks, but not uh, losing streaks where you have double digit leads in the fourth quarter and can't close them out against decent teams. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be at and at home. Yeah, a know. lot of these maybe they'll games, be better on the road. Oh uh, well, they have been better on the road. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're. I think they're three and ten at home and yeah. five and eight on the road. If five and eight on the road, you take that. <laughs> I mean, you take yeah. that for a forty-one game span. That's like you know, <laughs> yeah, eighteen wins or something. If you're capable of winning a home game here or there, Unbelievable. but the close of that Memphis. See, the Memphis game had everything. It had the stupidness of Rondé giving that foul. It had the inability to protect the basketball. They turn the ball over in the final minute of the game. You name the guy, whether it's Spencer Dinwiddie, whether it's D'Angelo Russell, they can't hold on to the basketball. And I've never seen a team as bad as inbounding the ball as they are. And I'm sorry, that is on the coach. That's absolutely – how is it possible that on a routine basis with five seconds, four seconds, eight seconds, 30 seconds to go, whatever it is – they can't get the ball in. I don't know. Every team they face gets the ball in and gets a great look. They can't. Explain that one to me. There's no explanation. And you know what? Let's They're go not back. Good at it. I gotta go back to something. Remember the Nugget game, that great win? Yes. Oh yeah, they the Karras lost game. That. The Karras game, right? What did I? And I said this to both of you about that win that they gave the Nuggets. I forget who Jamal Murray. I forget who it was. A great look at the end of the game. Yes, point you told three. Me that. Yeah. You told point me three. That. There you was missed it. there was no time left. And somehow they gave the Nuggets this great look. That play haunts me, even though it didn't go in. Because you know, I think about how come the Nets can't get a good look with five seconds to go. I'll tell you why. Because, why? Because the coach Mike, sucks. Because Michael Malone is a is a is a all worldly coach compared to Kenny Atkinson. That's what he's doing. All right, so let's get to the coach. We get rid of him. Yeah. Right now. Well, you're I, firing him immediately. 
I mean, do you want to watch this for the rest of the season? Well, the problem <laughs> is that they don't have a they don't have an idea of a replacement. They there's no way they have an idea but, of a replacement. I have to think him and Marks have a relationship, so I don't know how that would even yeah, work. That too. What do you mean how it would work? Would Sean Marks, Marks would fire his ass. That's how it you would think work. He would do it. I don't, I, don't, well, I don't think it's that simple. I think they came in here together with like this group project. It's not as cut and dry as that. Honestly, right now, I think Sean Marks has done much better at his job than Kenny's done at his job. Now, it's not to say no, Marks has that. been perfect, but am I, am I wrong making that statement? No, not at all. Especially when we all This agree. year highlights it. What was that? This year highlights well, it. Well, because I still think that they have talent on this team. That's what I said. Maybe not enough talent. I don't even know if they do anymore. I'm not convinced of yeah, it. Yeah, but if they look old and it's it's easy to 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 say that. But I, mean, they, they look, I agree. With but Mike, Mike, you've said it. They have lost eight in a row and could have and should have won at least at minimum conservatively five of the eight games. They're blowing it because of bad coaching. They're blowing it because of execution in the final two minutes of games. That's why they're losing. They have the talent on a routine basis against the Los Angeles Clippers, who are having a great year, against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are having a good year against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are having a decent year. The Philadelphia 76ers, they're putting themselves in a position to beat all of those teams. And late-game execution, led by a head coach that has no idea what he's doing, is why they're losing. What was Russell doing with that shot? Why That's what he, you're going back to. Why was he taking that so long? Well, it was stupid. Because this Does is he a, know the situation? I, this is a dumb basketball it's team. It's a dumb basketball team. Could they just be dumb players? I think Spencer Dinwiddie's like. Let's say for example, I think Spencer Dinwiddie's a talented basketball player, but I think he thinks he's a little bit better than he is. No question. I think Spencer and Dinwiddie plays a lot of hero ball. He plays a lot of hero ball. When they go and it's great. It's a lot it's of great. It's great when it's great, but it's awful when it's awful. Do you do you re-sign him for what he's asking for? Forty-seven well, million. I think what this stretch has done has made all of us reevaluate everything. everything. Yeah. And the first thing, let's start with this because I, I let me. Let me comment on the – I think Atkinson has proven out to be a terrible head coach, right? Is he a good developer? Sure. Yeah. I think we've seen enough guys develop here Absolutely. to say he's good at that part of his job. From a rotation standpoint, from burying Rodonis Kuric, which we haven't even discussed yet. How did he even go? Uh, makes one. no sense. Ridiculous. I mean, this guy sparked him in the Cleveland game. Did sparked him. Did that it? steal, even though he missed the layup, but it was cleaned up by whoever it was, D'Angelo, I think. Yep. His defense, his energy sparked the was team. There, was there a reason? Did somebody ask him, hey, why didn't you play him yesterday? I didn't see. You think I was watching that post game? I don't know. Conference? Maybe he saw on Twitter. I mean, I assume the question was asked. I don't know. Because he loves Jared Dudley? Because he's obsessed with him? There's would, no reason Jared Dudley should even be on this team, considering what they want to do. Well, Jared Dudley wants to call people out after games like he did. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to tweet. Look, so, I'm sure there's sick, a. You know. I think there's a value to Jared Dudley, right. the locker room lawyer, no doubt, <laughs> locker room lawyer. But I don't think playing him as often as Kenny does is the right decision. Radonis, Kurut. Yes. What about him? When he gets on the floor, you can see he has a confidence about him. Yeah. You can see he has a swagger about him, and you can see he plays smart. No doubt. Why is he playing zero minutes? It's, well, that's got to change because change. this season now, let's call it like it is. They're not going to tank on purpose. I don't think any player in their right mind would ever tank on purpose. But the focus of this season is no longer winning 35 games and surprising people. They are in the same basket as the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks and the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Phoenix Suns. That's where they are. This is now about dreaming of Zion Williamson. God knows they won't end up with him. But it's about that. And what you do when you're in that position, it's what Dave Fisdale is doing is you play your younger guys. Mm -hmm. 
You never lose on purpose. If D'Angelo Russell's going to go for 45 a night and start to play smarter basketball, and Kuruts is going to play and average 18 a night, and Jared Allen develops and they win, then they win. That's fine. But what you can't do when you're at this part of the season, part of the season at 8 and 18 going nowhere, is play veteran players. There's no point. Alan Crabb had a good game. Alan Crabb. That's the one, that's the big mistake Sean Marks made. Talk about Marks' job. He had a, he had a better game. He's heating Stop up. Stop it. Stop it with Alan No, Crabb. I would agree with you. It's time to get some of the young guys in there see what happens. It would and, be the fifth pick right now. Yeah. Know, the lottery. And, and potentially could win the lottery. Well, who knows? See, uh, 14%. Let's see Musa too. Say that one more time. Musa. Let's yeah, see him. Let's I, see him. Musa probably, here's what I assume with guys that don't play at all that we haven't really seen, because we've seen him in garbage time, that maybe they feel yeah. he's not ready to step in. like Just to play basketball. Well, I believe in playing younger guys, like I said, but I think you want to make them earn their spot. You don't okay. want to hand a Fair. younger guy 25 minutes a night. So if they believe Musa still needs to show more on Long Island and show more in practice for now, I think we get to February and March, I'll be singing a different tune, then I'm okay with that. What we've seen from Kuritz is a guy that's got to play. He has to play. And you know what? Actually, speaking of that, if we're going in this direction, we have a nice player putting up numbers in the G League named Alan Williams. Yes. Let's call him up. Well, I think he's got. I think we got to get there. And I think that also continues with Sean Marks looking at guys on this team and selling them off for assets. Now, we're still in that mode, unfortunately. Well, now we are. Well, because ask yourself this question, because you kind of brought it up, Billy. Who on this team would you not, barring something crazy like, you know, you could trade for Anthony Davis. Forget that. I'm right, talking about right. realistic trading for asset kind of deals. Who's no go? I would not trade Jared Allen. We agree, right? And yep. I would not trade Karis LeVert. We all agree. Both Completely two. different tone that I, I, and I'll admit this, that I certainly had at the beginning of the year when we were talking about the Jimmy Butler trade. Wait, so that's it? Those two guys? Just those two guys. So you would trade Spencer Dinwiddie for a late first round pick if you can get it? Late first? Well, I mean, we have to talk about the term. I'm well, asking that's, you. That's the best you're going to get. Dinwiddie. Yeah. He's a free agent well, at the end of the year. I'm, I'm asking not, you, would you get would I, you take a late first back? I'm not calling him untouchable. Would you take a late first back? Yes. Thank you for answering the question. Billy's a heming and hovering over I think there. you get as many assets as you can. I think Rodion, unless it's uh, you know, I think him you keep well, see, unless it's something crazy, you have to deal him, obviously. But but those are the three, in my opinion, right now that that, that aren't okay. moving. Let me take a step back here. I wouldn't trade Allen and I wouldn't trade Levert. Okay. I would discuss Dinwiddie, but you have to See what you're getting. Back. I just gave you something specific for the late first round. A pick. late first round pick. No. A late twenties, maybe mid twenties first round pick. I wouldn't do that. What no. do you think you're getting for Spencer? Would you resign Spencer Dinwiddie? He's about to be eligible for an extension. I think it's today, if I'm not mistaken, or tomorrow, December whatever 8th. day it is. That is December eighth. That's Saturday. That's Saturday. Two days. You extend them? No. So then, what do you do at the well, end of the year? Just I let him go for nothing. I don't want a late first round pick, though. I, I would hold out as long as I could. Okay. So, eventually, it comes to the trade deadline. The best you can get is a late first-round pick. What are you doing? Then you do it. Then you're trading him for then a late first-round pick. Then oh you do God, it. They're not gonna, surgery with this They're guy. not going to be good anyway for a couple of years. You might as well get the assets. Okay. So, I think you all... just build them. Then you have three first-round picks going into 2019. That's not, I mean. I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a very useful basketball player. And Spencer made a comment the other day, and I understand where he's coming from, but it's a part of, I think you said it, Pasegli, or maybe it was you, Billy, that he thinks he's better than what he really is. Is right. that what you said? Yeah. Billy said that. Yeah. All right. Spencer Dinwiddie made a point. I understand where he's coming from, that if he was a lottery pick, he'd be a starter in this league and be viewed differently. But because he got hurt and because he was a second-round pick and was in the G League, people view him differently and view him more Fair. as, well, he's got to come off the bench. I understand where Spencer is coming from. 
I could be wrong. I'm wrong about plenty. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a piece off the bench on a good team. I do not think he is a starter in this league on a playoff team. That contract extension that's out there is a reasonable contract for that kind of role. I agree. I don't have an issue locking him up long term. I think ideally all of us would like to wait because we want to see what's coming in free agency. We want to see what's coming in the draft. But the reason why I'm actually thinking about giving the man the extension is I think he's tradable with that extension if that's the role they want to go to during the offseason. And I think from a salary cap perspective, they'd be allowed to do it. If in July they say, you know what, things have changed. Wow, we're going to sign blah, blah, blah. We're drafting blah, blah, blah. I think it's a tradable contract. What? Uh, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah probably aren't coming. What does that mean? They're not signing any free Why? Well, I, I never said a name. Yeah, I, well, whoever it is. Tobias uh, Harris isn't coming? If, if they overspend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. Okay, great. They have Tobias Harris. Now they're a 36-win team. Well, <laughs> that's that's a different argument for a different uh, just roundtable discussion. That's, yeah, that's a whole different I just, story. I, I don't know. I just... I, so if no one's coming, that would mean, based on that of opinion that you have, you'd re-sign almost everybody on this team. You'd re-sign D'Angelo. You'd re-sign because where else are you getting talent from then? I'd rather go full tank mode and just and, and get assets and players. I you want to continue to tank or tank or not continue. I, but honestly, I say at that point, just go all in on the tank. Just or, go well, all I mean, in. Get the, get, would, get the be- you know what? We just lost four years of our lives with the Nets, and so be it. <laughs> Let's lose three and, more. And now we're a normal NBA. <laughs> now we're just a normal bad NBA team. Or I mean, what what would end, what what could end up happening is you don't re-sign anybody except obviously Levert and Allen. But I don't think I don't think this is the year that they're. Nah, Levert and Allen, you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about Levert and Allen. Mm-hmm. So then, then just restart the taking bad contract back thing for picks. If you can't picks. land significant free right, agents, then you have to restart. That. No, and I don't think that. Opinion thought, yeah. is necessarily wrong because I think one of the biggest mistakes the Nets made, and it was Rod Thorne, it wasn't Billy King, was when they created all that cap room for the LeBron free agency, and they obviously missed out on him, they went out and signed Travis Outlaw and Johan Petro and Anthony Morrow. And Let's not forget Jordan Farmar. a <laughs> <laughs> nice career. It's as if they were spending for the sake of spending. Right. And I think if you can't land right. the guys yeah. you want – you're right. You use salary cap room as a weapon. They've done that very well. Sean Marks has done a great job of that. Great he job, got a first-round pick from Toronto in Damare Carroll just as cap room as a weapon. Denver, the same thing. The Jeremy Lin trade, the three-way trade. He's done a really good job of that. So I agree if they miss out on free agency that that's something that they should do. I guess the question is, what's the line? You said no to Tobias Harris, apparently. He's not good enough in your mind. Well, if this... We'll see where things go, but if let's say hypothetically they land the number one pick, they can land the number two pick, and then they sign Tobias. Okay, yeah, I'll bite on that. Well, but I, if you, I, I guess, I guess that's what it is. Here's the question: If you re-sign D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, you re-sign both of them. Russell's your starting point guard. Dinwiddie's coming off the bench. You keep Levert. You keep Allen. And now you use free agency, along with whoever you draft, because I think we're getting to the point now where we shouldn't expect Zion Williamson. We shouldn't dream of, well, you could dream of it, but don't expect it. The odds are low. R.J. Barrett, maybe. Cam Reddish, maybe. Bull, Bull, maybe. They're going <laughs> to get a player in this draft. That's the good, that's the good news. No, they're going to get And Sean Marks' record so far in drafting has actually appeared to be pretty good. Very good, yes. So they're going to get somebody. I know. 
It just may not be the guy getting all the attention on ESPN. No, and, Williams. and whenever the lottery is, you'll go into watching that and you go, you know what? The Nets have 12% chance, 9.6% right. chance. And you know what? That's a hell of a lot better than zero. But if they get a player and do what I just said and sign Tobias Harris and Chris Middleton, what we are discussed they? this yesterday. They're well, a 20, what are they? They're a 28-win team. Well, oh, my God. Because Kenny Atkinson is coaching. <laughs> Well, no, well, they're better. They're they're fighting for a playoff spot. Here, let's get to this coach before we wrap it up. <laughs> well, so we're gonna we're so wait. So then, then, I mean, I agree with Mike. So then we're gonna have Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris locked up and barely make the playoffs. I don't want. That. Is that what they are? With a top five pick, Russell hopefully getting better because D'Angelo has stepped up his game he offensively has. since the Levert injury. With Allen getting better. Is the bar that low that they're a 28-win team with all of those additions? I yeah, think they'd I be would, better than that. I mean, they're better than 28, but they're not coming out of the East is what I'm saying. Okay. So it's not worth it then. And Well, that's no. always the dilemma in the NBA. Do, we, we, do, you, do you win enough that you become that uh, 43-win team? and Or do you take the, take the tough road, the hard road? Tank it out. Do what the Suns are doing now, what the Knicks are finally doing. Yeah, but well, the I mean, the Suns, Suns are going to have like three players next No, no, year. but in fairness, look at the Eastern Conference right now, and I think we'd agree there's about five teams that have a chance to come out of the East. Let's start with the Raptors. How did the Raptors build themselves? Did they build themselves by tanking? They built themselves because they drafted DeMar DeRozan, even though he's not there right now, in the early part of the first round, but not top five. They developed well, Kyle Lowry, and then they supplanted it with good pieces around them. Then they traded DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, they did it through the draft. Okay, but they didn't tank. No, they didn't tank. All right, that's the Raptors. Philadelphia tanked. No question. Yes. No doubt. The Celtics built themselves. Through us. Through us. Brilliant uh, (laughs) management. We're basically the Celtics. (laughs) Yes. Wow, they're good. The Bucs built themselves because they hit on one guy. They got lucky. But they didn't get lucky. lucky. But, But, guys, they didn't get lucky by picking one, two, or three. Right. Well, this, there's a there's a belief. Yeah, but there's no Giannis is on the Nets. I never said there was. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about how these teams were built. That tanking has only really been built by the Philadelphia 76ers. The Golden. How were the Golden State Warriors built? Through good drafting. Through good drafting. Klay Thompson and Steph Curry were not number one and number two overall players. Draymond Green was a second round pick. The Houston Rockets, even though they sucked this year, traded essentially. Well, they did for James Harden. So look around. It's not necessarily yeah, the, waiting the, and sucking I, I for the best player out there. Well, see, the thing is, though, is that I I never wanted to tank. That's not I I want I want this team to try to win basketball games. No, they are they just suck. But you, they just think right. You're, exactly. You're using the four examples of where it worked, and not the twenty examples where it didn't. What are you talking about? What, what examples am I using? Well, I'm just saying you 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 just chose the teams where you're like, look, you can work if you draft well. No, no, I need. But there's every... all these teams that have screwed it up that didn't. I well, I understand that, but where are the examples? You know, they're of... at the Lakers. They're not getting free agents. They're Hold not on. getting LeBron to come you said here. That. Where are the examples of tanking working? Well, the Sixers. You just That's said the it. one team. So your point that I'm only using the examples of teams that work. Well, there's only so many teams that are actually Spur- good right Spurs now. Spurs, it worked. That was a long time they ago. Got, I mean, they got their guy, and it but, worked. But, dude, that was 20 years ago. It's too early to tell with the Suns. Uh, but that's my point. There's only one team. You have to draft well. I think Sean Marks has done that. Karis LeVert and Jared Allen were not – where were they picked? They weren't lottery 20, picks. 17 was, uh, or what? Allen 20, was tw- 20, 17. LeVert was 20. That's my point. You have to draft smartly. So right. – 
flaming out and trying to be terrible every single season has worked, or so far it's sort of worked, for one basketball team. And how many times did they fail doing that? Markel Fultz has the Matt Harvey disease now. No, I I, I see your point, but going back to signing guys that are not great but good, you lock yourself up with the contract. You do. and And then, okay, if they hit on the picks, and then the guys that they overpaid with are good, and they hit this happy medium where they've got low end contracts with high end draft picks that worked out well, and the decent players that are overpaid, and we have this happy harmony here. That's a lot to ask to work. But here's what you need to have work. Karis Levert is what, and it sucks that he got hurt because uh, yeah. we can't see it. Is he is he Victor Oladipo in this league? Is he a star in this league? What is he? If he can be a really good, close to a star player and Jared Allen turns into a top-five center in this league, and you draft, this is big, you draft that guy who can be really good or good, you've got yourself a, a, a nucleus at least, and then you have free agents to go around it. What kind of conversation you think Marks and Atkinson are having right now about the direction of where this team should go? And if they're having the discussions of, hey, we got to They have to play team. young players and let think guys. Think they're having them? Excuse me? Think they're having that they conversation? They better. If Sean Marks is smart, and I think he is, he's telling Kenny, dude, you can't play Jared Dudley anymore. Can't. You have to play Rodonis, and if they lose, they lose. But right. we need to see young guys develop. And as far as the coach is concerned, look, I think the coach is terrible right now. I am not firing him tomorrow. As much as I am sick of looking at his face, I don't think good comes out of it. I think for now, you let him develop. You, you tell him he's got to play young guys. And then I think what we all have to do is reevaluate this at the end of the year. I think it's likely that we'll be sitting here in June and I'll be telling you guys they got to fire him and they have to find a new head coach. I think that's likeliest where we go, but I think firing him right now actually does more harm than good. I actually believe that. Let the guy, let the developer, that's what he is, let him develop. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, I think Sean Marks' plan actually could have potentially all along been let me bring this guy in here for a couple of hmm. years. While I build this thing up, that'd be savage. We'd be giving, I mean, <laughs> you're giving Sean Marks a lot of credit. <laughs> if that's savage. the case, I, Jeff Van Gundy's waiting. I said this to you, Billy, off air. I'll say it on air. When the Mets first hired Terry Collins, I thought that's what it was. Right, I thought farm direct, former farm director guy, veteran right. guy, he's here to help nurture. When the Mets are ready to win, there'll be a new manager. And Terry managed them to a National League championship. So things can change. I don't know. If if that's Marx's plan, then clearly the plan next year with more talent, assuming they can hit a little bit in free agency and they go that route, is to find a new head coach. But right now, let his ineptitude benefit them long term because they'll lose a lot of games and get more ping pong balls. So who are some of the hot assistant coaches out there? I'm not even thinking about that. You know what's funny? I have though. no idea. Would, would the three of us be having a conversation of this aura, of this negative energy today if Karis LeVert didn't get injured? I don't know, man. It's a, it's, a a, it's a great question that I don't know the answer to. I think because this, they looked like they were on pace, you know, and they've to been in all, for a playoff spot. Yes, and to your point, they've been in all these. They've been in all these games. They so who knows how differently if they the end with 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 Karras. I think there's the a lot of things though that change. First of all, I don't think D'Angelo Russell will have would have stepped up the way he has. No, of course, but and I think Basegli's point is great. These guys are human, and I think bad losses start to get into your head. Jared Dudley even admitted that. And I think that when they lose a bad game to Philadelphia, and that probably is the one that really started it, and Memphis was the one that took it to another level, I think stuff like that adds up. So if they don't have a loss like that, if they don't lose to Philadelphia because Karis Levert's there, I don't know, it could change everything. But, you know, 
What if Kennedy didn't die and he was a two-term president? Would we have been in Vietnam? I don't know. What if Lincoln wasn't killed? How would Reconstruction have gone? I don't know. Well, I get that. No, we could not, sit here and debate it all day. Let's not compare Karis LeVert's injury to uh, no, you know the what? Civil War. Now that I, I mean, come on. <laughs> no, you know what? To be fair, you I, know I, that I, one was I, a little more important. I do. I do get what you're saying to uh, to a certain degree. As human beings, once the same thing keeps happening over and over yeah. and over again, it 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 gets in your head. And then it it just, does. How many wins, quickly before we leave, how many wins do they end up with now? Give me a number. Because it's changed from where we sat here uh, two months ago. 24? 24. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, 23, just to be different. 23, 24. No, more. 25, 25, 25. Yeah, I think. They're going to get hot. Yeah, I'm going to go more optimistic. I'm going to say they win the same amount of games as last year. 28 games. May, They're going to win enough games to piss us off. In maybe, March. maybe in the long right, run. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, because maybe that's the, just the way it is. Maybe in the long run, this was, this is better. We'll see. Now, just to be fair, with tanking, we all love that word. It's much harder to do now with the different odds. With the one through three. Yeah, yeah. there's no – the benefit of being the worst is not the same as it used to be. No Correct. question about that. All right, Mike Basegli, a producer of Tazimus. Billy, he's in charge of the CBS Sports Minutes. I call them the net crew. We talk about the nets every morning. This has been a net roundtable discussion. This season is in shambles edition of the Evan Roberts podcast.